Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Hello and welcome back to Take It or Leave It. I'm so excited to be with you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. In recent episodes, we have been studying hell. It is so critical that you and I can speak intelligently of hell because when we evangelize others, it's important that we explain to them that there is a fate, a possibility of hell. Many are destined to hell based on how they live and it is so terrible. It is so painful, but there is a way to escape it through Jesus Christ. There is a reason why Jesus taught us these things in his word. Amen? Amen. And today, we are going to be talking about spiritual warfare. So what I mean is war in the spirit, not against flesh and blood, not against other men or women, uh, but against the spirit. So we're going to be spending some time in Ephesians chapter 6 today. There is a podcast on spiritual warfare already. In this season that I'm currently in, it makes sense to revisit this so that it's top of mind. And also, many lack this understanding today, so it's always good to have a refresher. Amen? It's always good to have a review. Amen. So the book of Ephesians is written by Paul. Now, this specific teaching, it could be taught in different levels. It could be taught at a kindergarten level or a doctorate level. It just depends on how deep you're willing to go and also how deep you can go based on your own experience, right? So who can teach the armor of God? The best teacher is going to be the person who has experience with spiritual warfare, right? And, and I'll ask you personally, who would you rather learn from? Somebody who has experienced it personally and can speak about spiritual warfare intelligently based on what they saw or the person who does not? There are many today that are teaching just based on the word of God, though they have no experience. So it is possible that we can go deeper into this teaching. Amen? Amen. And I think it's good if we just start off by reading it. I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, and it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So can you imagine this already? This is for every saved soul. Every saved soul should know this, right? And like I just mentioned, one of the issues of the churches today is that Christians have no idea what true spiritual warfare is. Why? Because they're into the singing, they're into the worship, but they are unaware of the true war that is all around them. And who's going to teach them, right? You need to get people who have warfare experience to teach this so that people can benefit the most, especially during these times, especially during these last days. Christians should be able to face the power of darkness. They should be able to discern. They should be able to understand what it is that they need to do in their own lives personally, right? To stand against the wiles of the devil. 
Amen. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have done all to stand. You know, it's easy to just say this. It's easy to say, I will stand with God, right? But did you really have an encounter? Have you even had an encounter yet with darkness to know for sure if you will stand? This is a critical part of working out your own salvation. And this is a way that you're going to be able to tell. And I've said it before on this podcast, but if God knows you, the demons are also going to know you. Amen. They're going to know that you can stand against them. Verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So already reading about living in the truth of Jesus, and we're going to get deeper into that later on in the teaching. This is supporting that a person who is going to be engaged in warfare, in spiritual warfare, they must live in the truth and they must love the truth. The breastplate of righteousness, it's the righteousness of Christ. It means you're going to live a righteous life. You're living right, blemish and wrinkle free, doing everything that he says yes to. Amen. Verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So again, Paul wrote this based on his experience. This helps us today because of what he went through. And today, the church doesn't go through this. The church is not having experiences like Paul had. The church is focused on self problems. And what do I mean by that? I mean finances. There's many churches that are teaching the people how to resolve their financial difficulties rather than how to save their soul. They are focusing the people on self problems rather than problems that prevent them from having a true relationship with God. And with what we just read, it says, above all, take the shield of faith. Now, this is not faith that you're going to receive good things. It's faith to move forward in the fullness of your call to serve God. Amen. This is the shield of God to take the risk of faith. Amen. That is when we defeat spiritual darkness. And the helmet of salvation, protect your salvation. Work out your own salvation. Stay clean. Protect your salvation. Know you have to know the full armor is a requirement. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So not only wearing the full armor, but also praying, right? Praying always with prayers and supplications. It says prayer alone is not going to work, but it's about the person who is praying. Amen. The person who is praying must be wearing the full armor. If you want to make a dent in, in more than a dent, right? If you want to make a real impact in spiritual warfare, you will have the full armor on. Your life's going to be clean and the demons will know. They will know. Amen. You know, when we live in the full armor of God, we can understand that angels are protecting us. And this is confirmed in the word in Psalms chapter 34, verses 7 to 10. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. 
So the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We know this here. Those who fear are protected by angels. Amen. And God delivers them. Wow. Verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. O fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. So all taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is he who trusts in him. Fear the Lord, saints. What does this even mean? There is not want to those who fear him. So if you fear him, you're going to be satisfied. You're going to be fully satisfied. You will not want anything more. And that's what God says. Amen? Verse 10, The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack anything good. And I want you to know that this verse says seeking. Seeking is different than looking. Right? If you're looking for your keys, you're just glancing. But if you're seeking, you are pulling at all your couch cushions. You're turning things over looking for your car keys because you're seeking. You're seeking for it. Right? When you play hide and seek with somebody, yes, you look with your eyes, but you're also pulling back curtains and opening doors. You have to seek it. And by seek, it means serving in accordance to his word. If you do this, you're not going to lack anything good. Amen? And that's what God says. And today, there's many that have wealth, but it does not mean that they don't have problems. You know, tithing in itself assures us only of our finances, but not our salvation. If we give our money, right, if we give our finances, because God says so, God's going to give to us. He's going to open the windows of heaven. And we don't pay for salvation. If we tithe, that doesn't mean we're saved. Salvation is a free gift from God when we choose that for ourselves. It's there for us. When we repent, salvation is ours for free. We just get it. Amen. God keeps the devil from our money when we tithe. So tithing only guarantees finances. We only solve other problems in our life when we live right according to what Jesus says. If we do this, we can be saved. We can be saved. And you know, with God, all things are possible. And this is confirmed in Mark 10 starting in verse 23, and it says, Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So I'll let you research this on your own, but whenever you look up the eye of the needle, it's not literally a needle that you thread, right? This is an entrance. It's an entrance. It's a very small door. The camel must come all the way down and try to fit through this opening, right? It's difficult. So the rich man is called out here because typically when you have wealth, you also don't lack for anything. So if you have everything that you need, right, why do you need God? The rich man typically has his confidence in his money. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how hard the day was, but if I have money, I'm all right. And that's a sin. That is wrong. It is so hard for the rich man to lay aside the riches to gain the one. Amen? Verse 26, And they were greatly astonished. So the disciples were greatly astonished by what Jesus had said, and they were saying amongst themselves, Who then can be saved? 
But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Verse 29, So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. So there you have it. With men, you cannot be saved, but with God, all is possible. And what we learn in verse 30 is that if you submit to God 100%, if you leave these things for his sake, all of these things will be fixed. You're going to inherit eternal life, right? And while on this earth, Jesus is going to be there for you. If you give him all these things, risk it for his sake, you will find it. So again, giving money fixes money. Giving your life is going to fix your life. You're still going to have trials, but God will be there for you. Amen? And you know, we may not all be attacked by demons until we impact the demonic plans based on how we live our life. War is a result of disagreement, right? So when we disagree with demons, we are against demonic forces. We are against Satan. And because we disagree with them, we are at war in the spirit, not with our hands and blood. Like I mentioned in the very beginning, this is not a war against man or flesh. We're not using our hands. So some who do not make a change in the spiritual world will not be affected by demons. If you aren't in their way, they're not going to change your circumstances. They're not going to get in your way. They'll waste their energy. They're busy. If you're not making it hard for them, there's no reason for them to remove you. Demons are after those who are ruining their plans. Servants of God, if you are a true servant of God, you are ruining their plans. Amen. If you are just a churchgoer, right? And I go to church. But if you're not totally living for God, you don't have to worry about demonic attacks. If you have financial difficulties today, but you're just a churchgoer and not a serious worker, the financial difficulties, it's your fault. There's many people, they suffer one little thing and they blame Satan, but it's your fault. In this case, why do you have financial difficulties? Because you're an irresponsible spender, right? This means you lack planning, and God says we need to plan seriously. We are to be strategic, and servants of God are strategic. Yet today, some are so concerned with working so hard to afford things, right? They're working so hard to overcome their financial troubles that they don't serve wholeheartedly. You know, Satan doesn't want anyone to fully serve the Lord. So even if you're 99%, Satan likes you. You need to be 100% percent right and if anyone's giving a half service right a partial service this is a disservice to god and just going to church is a disservice without fully living for jesus if you're just going to church but you're not living a consistent life if you're not in the word you're on satan's side if you are not making an impact for jesus you are not living a righteous life you cannot straddle the line of satan or jesus if you are half Jesus, it means you're full Satan. That's the side you're on. And if you're a real Christian, Paul wanted you to know the teaching today. 
Paul gave a very short teaching when communicating to mature Christians in Ephesus, right? This is what we read earlier in Ephesians. Why is it so short? Because they were mature. He didn't have to explain things because they easily understood. Before we jump into the teaching, which we're really just going to further break down what we read earlier, we should be knowledgeable of the city of Ephesus, right? And you're not going to find this in the Bible. It's basic history and research, and it's going to reveal that this was a very wealthy trade city. And back then, this city was a great and prosperous place to live. Unfortunately, Ephesus, they were saturated with pagans and sorcery and idolatry. So a lot of the business revolved around idolatry. And Paul taught the Christians here how to fight demonic attacks because they were experiencing this a lot. Why? Because they're servants of God living in the center of so much witchcraft. So it did influence them. It impacted them. But again, they were mature Christians and Paul taught them for multiple years. In Ephesus, Christians were dedicated to God. They were devoted, unlike many professing Christians today. The result of Paul's teaching put the witchcraft and idol-making business in jeopardy, and the demons didn't like that. Paul was messing with their plans. So the demons attacked the Christians, but Paul taught these Christians so that they were able to stand in battle. This is where they lived. So demonic warfare increased because there was a war in the spirit. Why? Again, because the Christians were dedicated and they were implementing the knowledge into their lives and they were impacting the spiritual realm. This same church mentioned in Revelation later says, you lost your first love, right? So Paul taught them, but later on, Ephesus lost their first love. You lost your first love. Who's the first love? Jesus. They lost God. Because later, Ephesus, they grew too confident in self. They were overwhelmed with the anointing of God, which resulted in their own self-confidence. They forgot the power of God was not them, right? And it's a sin to take God's credit. And this is a great warning for us today to ensure we put all our confidence into God because we believe in him constantly. Yes, he might use us for big things, right? We might make big impacts because of him, but it is always his glory. Amen? And if you're a real servant of God, giving him all the credit brings us joy. So I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 6 when we read this earlier because it's critical that we break it down to understand Paul's important teaching. Amen. So in verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So not your might, his might. So you're not being strong in the power of your might, right? This is the might of God, the power of God. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand the wiles of the devil. So we see this phrase here, you may be able, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You have the ability to stand firm only when the full armor is on. So this is conditional. You must have the armor on and then you can stand. So it says the wiles of the devil. What is that? That's schemes. Schemes of the devil. When you actually research this back to the Greek meaning, you'll, you'll understand this means methods. And Satan is methodic. He's very strategic. Many today think Satan is stupid. They are so quick to say he's stupid. He's nothing. But I want you to understand that Satan's power is second to God. He's very strategic. The good news is not that he is stupid. It's that we can be smarter than Satan with God if... We put on the full armor of God. Amen. 
Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So what is this? These are different levels of demons, of demonic power. And if you actually study this deeper, you can start to understand the business of Satan. Right? He's the CEO underneath him. We've got principalities, then powers, then rulers of the darkness of this age. And at the bottom, we've got spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is the majority of what we deal with here on earth. Spiritual hosts of the wickedness in the heavenly places. However, all of these are present. Amen? And where are they? They're in the air. They are in the air. And this is why those today that are practicing witchcraft and sorcery, maybe fortune telling, um, palm reading, tarot cards, they only tell you what has already happened because the demons saw it. So they're communicating with demons. It's their lifeline, right? That's how they get all the information. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So we see that again, able, ability. This word is clear. Maybe you can stand, but not firmly without the armor. If you don't have the armor, you're going to fall. So in verses 11 and 13, Paul mentions the word able. So again, or our ability. If we're able to do something, we have the ability to do something. Paul doesn't want us to assume we can stand unless we are fully armored. So first, we must put on the armor. Then take it up and stand. It's clear you cannot just say in Jesus' name and be safe from demons. Yes, there's power in Jesus' name, but this teaching is clear. Don't you remember the Jewish exorcists we learned about before? These were the respected men in the church who went to exorcise demons, and the demon said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Right? And then those same demons, they beat up the exorcists violently. How embarrassing. Many write books from authors who don't even have experience in spiritual warfare, and it's a problem. Because these people are going to read these books and they're going to go out and they're going to try to rebuke and cast out these demons and they're going to say, who are you, right? It's like me writing a book on how to raise children even if I don't have children. If you're raising children, who's going to provide you the best advice, right? Somebody with experience in raising children. If we're going to teach, we should rely on our experience, right? Knowledge too, of course, but it's deeper teaching, it's a deeper teaching when we have the experience to lean on. We have a different perspective. Paul taught only 12 verses on spiritual warfare. So again, it's short but so important. Paul teaches from his experiences. So again, a short teaching because he was explaining his teachings to warriors. They were true servants. Paul was exhorting on what was required. Paul spoke of armor used in war. Now, these Christians in Ephesus, they were familiar with battles and war, so they understood the physical armor. They could easily imagine it, right? Paul didn't have to over-explain it. Since Paul's demonstration was armor, again, they easily understood, and Paul was able to explain what was needed to complete the full covering quickly. So when Paul mentions the helmet and the shield and the breastplate, the sword, when he's mentioning these things that are required, Paul wanted them to know this is a requirement for you to put on the armor. Our strength to stand firm 
is with the armor of God. Today, many are not familiar with these things, so it's hard for them. It's hard for them to understand, but not hard for warriors. Many today don't even want to acknowledge the spiritual warfare, and therefore they don't even study deep enough to know these things. They avoid it. We're not going to do that today. We're not avoiding this. We are actually going to start picking this apart because I want to highlight a couple of things uh, in these verses. So we're going to go verse by verse here. I'm actually going to start in verse 14 and it says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So right here, Paul says the breastplate of righteousness. So what is the symbol here? The breastplate, right? But righteousness is the key word that you and I ought to notice and take note of. We must be sanctified. That's what righteousness is. Be sanctified. Be clean. This means we are consecrated from this world. That way we can be ready for the spiritual war. Amen? We cannot just walk into the war without being spiritually prepared. We must live right. And how do we do that? Based on the scripture, of course. Not from our good deeds. We must be in complete submission to the will of God. And how do we know God's will? Of course, we know that God's will and desires for every man and woman to be saved. Right? But when it comes for his will on our life, we must submit to that. So we need to ask him. We need to submit to him. We need to tell him, I come under your will, whatever you want, Lord. If I'm under your will, I have nothing to worry about. And it's true. You can be in the most dangerous place in the world, in the midst of bombs and bullets, but if it's God's will, you're safe. And how do you know if you're righteous? I can't tell you that. You must ask yourself and work it out yourself, like we've been discussing, right? Be faithful to the call of God, and it's not just a Sunday faithfulness. If you only have a Sunday faithfulness, that's fake faith. And Satan's not going to focus his energy on you, right? If you're already not living right, why? You don't make an impact. Your fate's already sealed with him. You and I must live righteously to be saved. So you have to ask yourself, and I have to ask myself, what is most important to you? Are you a people pleaser? Or are you a Jesus pleaser? Your breastplate, it's on the front. So Satan sees it right away. He sees what you're all about right away. He knows what you're all about. Why? Because the demons see how you behave even when no one else is watching. What you do behind closed doors that you think no one sees, they see it and they know and they took note. You know, I've shared this example before in a previous podcast, but my pastor actually shares this testimony which uh, really illustrates what we're saying here about the demons knowing you right away based on how you live your life. And there was a time where there were nursing homes located uh, near us. So, I mean, maybe 20 minutes away, right? We're in the United States here, and there were three nursing home buildings. All of them had reported demonic activity. We knew one of the employees that worked there who asked my pastor to come and pray. So, of the three buildings, there, were, there was one building that was very heavily... Uh, invaded with demons uh, and the other two buildings were lesser and then there was one building that was the least amount of uh, demons so my pastor decided well let's let's understand this let's start at the least amount one and he walked right in and in the lobby there was a really long table and some of the um, the home occupants they were sitting there 
And there was a man at the end of the table who stood up right away and he looked at my pastor and he said, what are you doing here? And my pastor said, oh, we're just here. We're here to pray. Immediately, the nursing staff told my pastor that man is mute and he has not talked since he's been here. So right away, we can understand that the demons recognized my pastor. What are you doing here? They, he knew him. What are you doing here? Like almost panicked because he knew what my pastor was about. Amen. Don't you also want that sort of reaction? Don't you want them to know you in this way? I do. So if we're lukewarm, we're powerless. You know, the demons accuse us of the things that we have done because they know our ways. And I mentioned this earlier, but the same power that tells your future, so many people are running after the psychics. Don't do that. It's demonic. You defile yourself and your soul when you do that. They're just communicating with the demons that see you anyway. They're communicating with them in the air. So if you're wearing the breastplate of righteousness, you are living right. You are carrying out the anointing. You are in your calling, growing in what you may feel uncomfortable in. Leaders don't grow from comfort. You have to be willing to step into the lane God wants you in, even if you don't see yourself there. When you understand that it's God's will in your life, you're going to see yourself there. Amen? So I ask you, are you willing to get uncomfortable to glorify the Lord? You know, even the false prophets can be influenced by the demons. So they say the right things to deceive the people. And Jesus warned us of these things. You must be serious today. Also in verse 14, it mentions, uh, girded your waist with the truth. Right? So the truth is your friend. And this allows you to be fearless in the truth. So when you are alone in your mission for God, you are convinced of the truth. You are convinced of what he says, right? And you go forward in the mission and in your calling. So the truth combined with the will of God helps you to press on. Amen? Verse 15, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So the symbol right? It's your shoes. But having the gospel of peace, that's the key word. And as servants, you will be doing a lot of walking, right? You're spreading the gospel everywhere you go. Where do people go? Restaurants? Do you pray quietly there for the food? Do you pray for the people around you? Or do you rush because the waitress is coming back and you quiet your voice because you don't want people to look at you? Just pray unashamed. People are unshamefully discussing their vacation plans. So if we can listen to those plans, they can listen to us pray for them, right? And when I say pray for them, Lord God, thank you so much for this time, Lord. Be with us, Lord. Dwell with us, Lord. Thank you for this food. Bless the hands that prepared it, Lord. And Lord, may your Holy Spirit presence increase in this place, Lord, and bless the people that are around us, Lord. Lord, may their heart and ears be open to you, Lord Jesus. Amen. What's wrong with that? You can't be a secret Christian today. If that's possible, you're telling me that you can be secretly in love with the Lord. But what kind of love is that? If my husband loved me in secret but not in public, we're going to have a problem. I don't want that. It's a shameful love. Do people today seek ways to spread the gospel? I mean, what are you doing? What am I doing? Right? Ask yourself. You should have the answers here. You should have fruits. Everywhere you go is a good place to speak the name of Jesus. Amen? Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all fiery darts of the wicked one. 
So the shield of faith, we should be getting good at this by now. So we should know immediately that the symbol is the shield and the key word is faith. And notice here that Satan is attacking from a distance with darts, not a sword. With a sword, you need to be up close. Why is he attacking from a distance? Because he's a coward against warriors. You know, Satan knows the scripture better than most people. He knows that he doesn't stand a chance against the power of God, right? So the faith extinguishes the fire. Satan's darts become powerless when we move forward in the shield of faith. We all know the verse, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, but that's conditional. Because if you're stagnant in your walk with God, the darts are going to get you spot on. But when you're moving, right, and you're advancing with the shield, right, you don't cower behind the shield. You advance with the shield. You can put the darts out. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we have the helmet of salvation, right? The symbol is helmet, the word, the key word is salvation. You must be saved and protect your salvation. Are you assured of your salvation? You know, me personally, I'm not working out to be saved because I, I'm trying to do that. I know that I'm trying to do that, but I want to be sure. I want to be sure I'm not missing a thing. So I'm working it out for myself. You work it out for yourself. And we also see here the sword of the spirit. So the sword is the symbol. And the spirit is the word of God. That's what the verse tells us. Why can we tell demons, get out demons in the name of Jesus. Your destiny is to burn in hell. Why do we know that? Because the word says so. You can tell the demons, Jesus authorized me to cast you out in the name of Jesus. Get out. Why? Why can we do that? Because the word said we can. We attack them with the word. Amen. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful in this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So it means with this view, right, in the full armor of God and prayer, we're going to be able to see in the spirit. We need both. And Paul continues in verse 19, And for me, the utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So Paul is saying here, pray for me. Paul's asking for prayer. He, he's asking for a prayer covering because he's going into the war, the spiritual war. You know, it's sad today because some are so offended today when they hear that you're praying for them. They say, why? I'm blessed. I don't need it. I want to warn you not to be this way. We all need the covering, especially if you're knowingly going into a place that is saturated with witchcraft. You need to be prayed for. You need to be prayed for. Verse 20, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Chains, what, what does this mean? It means chains to Jesus. We are only ambassadors of one Jesus Christ. We are one with Jesus Christ. We are bound to him. In conclusion, unlike other teachings in books that you may have read and have heard, the teaching of Paul reveals that God did not provide us the armor. It is us who must divide the word correctly and we must put it on ourselves. Many churches want you to view Christianity in a virtual reality. They want you to leave their service feeling that your life is so peaceful. It's going to be okay. They want you to, to leave thinking, I'm part of this community, so I'm all right. I belong here. That's not real, and that is not the truth. 
how can we change unless we are convicted to change, right? The Holy Spirit must convict us. And even in, in the Bible, it says we are to convince, rebuke, exhort. We cannot create these virtual realities anymore. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a sugar-coated teaching. It's a lie and it does not please God. It's an abomination to the word of God. And the armor is produced in us when we submit within his call. So Paul was teaching from his experiences. Paul wanted to prepare others to face the highest to the lowest form of demonic power. It requires a full response to the call of God, not a partial response, full, 100%. And don't round up. If it's 99.9, make it 100. Make it 100. A desire and passion is critical to spread the word. If you're wearing the full armor and you're praying, you're going to have the desire and passion to spread the gospel. And again, it's not praying alone. It's about the person who's praying. You and I, we want to make an impact. We must put on the armor. We must get right. Put on the armor. And you know, my ministry is currently being led uh, into a location that is saturated with witchcraft. And an ex-witch themselves revealed it's not the prayer itself, but it's the one who's praying. And that lines up with scripture. Amen. And I mentioned that not so you're fearful, right? Because it's really good news. If you walk in the ways of Jesus, you are in the armor. Wear the armor and pray. The demons will know you then. That's not a bad thing. If the demons know you, God knows you, right? You can shake the kingdom of darkness and God will use you to break down strongholds. Amen. Stay chained to the one who matters. Jesus Christ is always the answer. Amen. And when you and I are obedient to his call, he is for us. We will see the victory. Amen. This is shared with the love of the Lord. Thank you so much. And God bless you all.